Welcome to Scary Mysteries, brought to you by Nudon Films. Every Monday, we'll tell you about topics that range from serial killers and UFOs to unexplained mysteries, ghosts, and everything in between. If it's scary and it's mysterious, then we've got you covered. And check us out on YouTube as well if you want to watch each episode. Thanks for tuning in. Four Most Credible Alien UFO Encounters For those who believe that UFOs and alien encounters are real, there's still just so many questions that remain unanswered. Where's the proof? And why would they visit? For those that are skeptical, perhaps the following stories will change your mind. These are the four most credible alien UFO encounters. Number four, Shaitan Mazar, Russia UFO Crash. Known as the Devil's Graveyard, Shaitan Mazar is believed by locals to be a mystical place. For them, it holds a sacred stream that has mysterious healing properties, and in this case, much more than that. On August 28, 1991, the Soviet radar station caught sight of an unusually large object entering their airspace. It was flying over the Caspian Sea and measured around 2,000 feet long and 300 feet wide. It was traveling at an altitude of 22,000 feet with speeds of up to 600 miles per hour. Unsure about the object and alarmed at the possibilities, the Soviets immediately issued a friend or foe signal, but there was no reply. They knew there were no scheduled test flights in the area, and so they decided to deploy MiG-29 fighters to investigate. The jets approached the location and were shocked to see how immense the craft actually was. It was described as metallic gray in color, with two portholes towards the front portion. Green symbols were found at the back, and despite being tailed, there was no response from the craft. They decided they should fire a warning shot, but every time they approached and attempted to do so, the guns didn't work. The fighter jets abandoned the mission, but the craft was tracked for several hours as it flew at astonishing speeds and in a strange zigzag pattern. Eventually it disappeared from radar completely, and it wouldn't be until a month later when rumors about Shaitan Mazar began to circulate. Locals say they saw a large craft crash into the gorge. Some said people were able to find the site but couldn't get closer because they suffered radiation burns. A group of UFO investigators attempted to find the site themselves but never had any luck. Reports came in by November that the Russian Air Force had found the crash site and in an attempt to remove it, a helicopter crashed killing all those on board. Since it was in the middle of winter, no attempt at a recovery could be taken just yet. So taking advantage of this, a second expedition was launched by UFO experts in June of 1992, and after finding the copter, they were able to find the site. The problem was they still couldn't go near it and could only observe it from 1,000 yards or so away. Their devices, cameras, and video recorders failed each time they got too close. Plus, several of the members suffered radiation burns as if the object had an unusual electromagnetic field. A third expedition was planned, but this didn't come to fruition until years later, and they were shocked to find that no trace of the crash was left behind. The area had been leveled off to hide any evidence of the site's existence, and the helicopter itself was gone as well. 
According to the expedition, people who managed to witness the crash said it hit the side of the mountain and broke in two before sliding down the side of the gorge. They could see visible decks inside the ship, but no bodies of any sort. Even though no concrete physical evidence was obtained by the second expedition, the testimony of four pilots and seeing the object along with the radar evidence shows that something definitely did fall out of the sky at Shaitan Mazar. But where it is, what it is, or what happened to it remains a mystery. Number 3. The Valentich Incident At 20 years old, Frederick Valentich wanted to be a pilot. He tried several times to apply for a commercial license but failed, but despite that, he never stopped trying. With 150 hours of flight time under his belt, as well as being authorized to fly at night, he decided to take a rented single-engine Cessna 182 on what would be a routine cargo trip from Moorabin, Australia to King Island. He informed the ground crew and told them he was picking up friends, so he took four life vests with him. Shortly after sunset at 6.19 p.m., Valentinch took off from the airport, and by 7.06 he contacted Melbourne Flight Services to report an unusual aircraft was tailing him at around 4,500 feet. He was told there was no traffic in the area, and when asked what kind it was, he couldn't affirm but mention there were four bright lights. He then realized the craft was moving at unusual speeds and seemed to be playing some sort of game as it flew over him several times. Soon after, he reported the object was orbiting above him, and that he could tell it had a long shape and a shiny metal surface with green lights. When asked again about what type of craft it was, he answered, It isn't an aircraft. Soon after that, the transmission was cut off by an unusual scraping sound. A search and rescue operation was mounted to find Frederick, but there were no signs of him or the craft. What's unusual is that several reports of a UFO with green lights were noted in the area days before and even after the plane's disappearance. To this day, no one knows for sure what happened to him. The area where he disappeared and reported the craft was near Cape Otway, Bass Strait and King Island, which have all had their fair share of UFO sightings even before Frederick disappeared. Mysterious colored lights, unique cigar-shaped crafts, and bright beams of light have been spotted by holiday-goers, locals, and lighthouse keepers in the area for decades. Number 2. Rendlesham Forest Known as Britain's Roswell, Rendlesham Forest sits just outside Suffolk, England. This place is no stranger to mysterious lights and UFOs, but nothing compares to what happened between December 26th and 28th in 1980. United States Air Force personnel occupied the Royal Air Force Woodbridge during the time, and at about 3 a.m. on the 26th, a security personnel reported seeing beams of light near the forest. Initially, they thought it might be a downed aircraft, so they sought a request to check it out. USAF personnel Ed Cobbinsag, Jim Penniston, and John Burroughs drove to check it out, and once they had eyes on it, realized it wasn't a downed craft, but a bright, glowing metallic object with colored lights around it. They tried to get closer, but it moved around the forest. When it passed by a nearby farm, one of the servicemen said the farm animals went into a frenzy. After following the lights as far as they could with their jeep, they headed out on foot to track it down. Senior policeman Penniston said he could feel that the air was filled with electricity, 
and that their radios didn't work. They walked a bit further when they came across a small clearing, and to their astonishment they found a triangular craft with pulsating colored lights hovering just a few feet above the forest floor. The men tried to grasp what they were actually seeing, and Penniston pulled out a notebook to write down all the details he could while they were fresh in his mind. While there were some variations as to what they saw, all three men noted the craft was around 9 by 6 feet and made out of a smooth, almost glass-like material. Strange symbols decorated its outside, and it was completely silent. The men watched it for several minutes, when out of nowhere the craft soared up above the tree line and disappeared. The group was so stunned that even Penniston's words scribbled in his notebook said, Liftoff, 245. No sound, no air disturbance, takeoff. Unknown speed, impossible. After they returned to base, they reported a sanitized version of the events to their commanding officer. A report dated January 2nd, 1981, concludes the men did experience something out of the realm of explanation. Two nights later, the lights were back. A strange ball of orange and red light was seen descending near the forest area. The person on duty reported it, and soon it reached the base commander's office. Colonel Halt was annoyed this UFO business was distracting his men and decided to find the source once and for all. So Halt, together with a search party, went into Rendlesham Forest themselves. He took a handheld dictaphone with him so he could record what he was seeing. On the tape, Halt can be heard describing the lights, saying, It's back again. It's coming this way. There's no doubt about it. This is weird. Halt was worried because the object was firing beams of light on the ground. He was also informed that RAF Bentwaters was reporting a similar incident with beams being fired on the ground. After several hours, the lights broke up and disappeared. All witnesses were questioned, and most of them were told to keep the matter quiet. Since it was a joint jurisdiction, it was unclear who should be handling the case. It wasn't until years later when strong, credible evidence of the Rendlesham Forest incident in the form of a member by Colonel Halt showed up. In it, he detailed what was reported by the initial officers that encountered the lights along with the incident experienced by him and company. There's also the audio tape he recorded as they chased and viewed the lights in the forest. What's more is multiple civilian witnesses came forward to relay their experiences to the police about the incident, independently, without even knowing what the military personnel saw that night. To this day, because of so many credible witnesses, the case of Rendlesham Forest continues to serve as one of the strongest cases for a direct UFO encounter. Number 1. Japan Airlines Flight 1628 Japan Airlines Flight 1628 was a routine route for Captain Tarachi and his crew of two. It was 1986 and the captain was flying a Boeing 747 cargo plane filled with wine over eastern Alaska at an altitude of 35,000 feet. The plane was on autopilot, and they were currently in a unique area where to the right of the plane was an afterglow of the sunset, while on the left side it was all dark. By 5.09pm, the Anchorage Air Route Traffic Control established radar contact with the plane and asked it to head to Talkeetna. The co-pilot answered the call and obliged, turning the plane left 15 degrees. Captain Tarachi was sitting on the left side of the cockpit. When the plane did this maneuver, 
That's when he first noticed. Out his window he saw lights that looked like aircraft lights. They were roughly 2,000 feet below them and moving in exactly the same direction and with the same speed. His initial thought was that these were military planes on a special mission. Because of Alaska's proximity to Russia and military bases, this wouldn't be out of the ordinary. From the moment they saw the unusual lights, Tarachi reported it to air traffic control trying to confirm if there was traffic in their path or if it was spotted on their radar, but they said they saw nothing. After minutes of observing the lights, out of nowhere, two unusual spacecrafts appeared directly in front of them. The ships fired bright sparks from what Tarachi speculates were thrusters that would help them stop their momentum from doing such fast maneuvers. They were so close they could feel the warmth coming from the sparks. The pilots then observed the craft suddenly change formation from on top of one another to one moving to the front. The crafts had several blinking lights, much like thrusters being powered up once in a while. Then they noticed the two smaller crafts darted away from the plane and straight into a flat, pale white light. Even though they couldn't fully see it, the plane's weather radar indicated there was a huge, round object right in front of them that they think the small crafts flew into. The radar indicated it was green, meaning it was a weaker target, whereas a red would indicate another solid craft. While air traffic control could not pick anything up on their radar, it was noted that there was a surge primary return at around 10 o'clock from an object flying at the same altitude, but about 8 miles away. A primary return means a craft has been sighted with no transponder. Every commercial plane carries a transponder and it sends out signals carrying information that helps identify the craft. Anything without a transponder would echo a primary return seeing it's a radio reflective craft but with no transponder embedded. As they were approaching Fairbanks, the lights from the city began to illuminate the unusual object, and the captain could make a faint outline of a gigantic ship on his port side. By his account, this thing was as big as an aircraft carrier. Fearful at the size of the object and the unusual circumstances they were in, he asked to change course to avoid it and perform several evasive maneuvers, including a 360 to do so. What makes this incident so credible is that the whole thing was recorded on audio. Captain Tarachi has an impressive record and was a former Japanese fighter pilot. He had 29 years of flight experience under his belt prior to this incident, and his co-pilots were equally credible. Moreover, military radar actually confirmed there was something flying with the Japanese airline that day. Records would be available to the public, but the CIA confiscated the radar data audio, and any other pieces of evidence. So those were the four most credible alien UFO encounters. Alien UFO encounters are so fascinating for many reasons. If the day comes when there is definitive proof that they are in fact real, then it will force every single person on the planet to rethink not just the systems we've set in place as a society, but also the very nature of our entire existence. Thanks for listening, and remember to subscribe and check out Scary Mysteries on YouTube as well for additional videos. I'll see you next week.